This is the Getting Divorced Without Losing Your Mind podcast with Corey Shapiro. I'm Corey Shapiro. Welcome. In Divorce News, an article in the New York Times by Hannah Ingber. Hannah, I hope I pronounced your name correctly. How to make kids feel at home in both homes after a divorce. It was written April 1st of this year, 2022. I really enjoy the subtitle. When parents go their separate ways in a divorce, children are torn between two places. Both should feel like home. I love that subtitle. It's so efficient. You almost don't even have to read the article because you know where it's going. What a good writer. She writes a, I believe, a tech newsletter for the time since 2012, but she also writes personal essays. And this is a personal essay of hers. It talks about her experiences getting divorced and moving to two homes and the impact that had on her family, her children. She starts the article as follows. The day my ex and I had to tell our children that we were getting divorced, we sat on the couch in the living room as they played on the rug before us. It was a pivotal moment, and our almost five-year-old, Isaac, sensing that something big and disruptive was happening, had one very important question. What would happen to his Legos? See, in my world, if, if Isaac is focusing on that, recall that someone who's dealing with logistics. He wants to know the reality of things that are important to him. And what's important to him is his property. So good going, Isaac. Make sure those Legos are safe and sound. All right, let's just go over a couple of her comments, suggestions, tips, and some of my thoughts about it. First, she says that children need to be shown in a concrete way that they have a family and a sense of belonging, and that's going to be okay. I call that stability. And I think that's so important for my practice, for my research, and for my understanding in this area. So I think that's a great place to start. She quoted this wonderful line, and I think from a therapist she reached out to, physical space is a concrete representation of emotional space. I think that's well said. She talks about talking about it with the kids, which obviously is obvious, <laughs> but she says some people who don't have the languaging or maybe kids process differently, she recommended some books. And she recommended one book in particular that's been around since 2004. It's an oldie but a goodie. It's called Two Homes. And again, I hope I'm pronouncing the author's name correctly. Claire Masserell got over 2,000 very high ratings on Amazon. So you might want to check out that book. And, and if, you're, if you uh, want to reach your kids and they can ask you questions in their own way. Uh, she also says to create a special space. Uh, easy to do, obviously, if you have the room for a private bedroom for this child in this new place. If you don't, it might be only a nook, an area, or I've seen parents give the children the bedroom and make the bedroom their space. Not just temporarily, but the bedroom would literally be, if they're only there for 50% of the time, the bedroom would be a child's room or your child's room. So they feel like it's theirs. There's ownership. It's not like, oh, you can stay here in my room with my stuff all over the place when you're here. They're not company, is what she's saying. It's their home and their family. She raises a point, which is interesting, and she says it's interesting and maybe a little controversial. Don't battle over rules. She says, if you and your ex could agree on how to parent, you probably wouldn't be getting divorced. I don't know if that's my experience with my clients. I think sometimes parents who do get divorced get along in this area. 
and they might have other issues they have, or it's not so important to them. On the other hand, there are clients who really feel strongly about maintaining certain rules and there are some friction on those issues. So I think her general point, especially initially, is right. Don't battle over rules. If what she's saying is don't battle over the small stuff initially, maybe there's a point, there's a larger imperative there. You're moving to two homes, you're transitioning, there's a lot going on. So that might be good initially. However, if there are certain things that are important, what I would suggest to parents is maybe reaching out to an expert like a parenting coordinator. These people could be trained in you know, mental health issues or even in child development issues, and they really could work with you just for a few sessions. doesn't have to be a lot. Just to get familiar with the family, deal with some important issues, and just like scratching the surface. And then if things blow up later on, at least you can go back to this parenting coordinator or PC, what we call them, a PC, to work through some of these issues as opposed to calling up an attorney or maybe even going to court. All right, let's move to the question of the episode. Mary asks, me and my ex are in mediation for a year now for our divorce, but does not seem to be going anywhere. Unfortunately, it seems that we may have to go to court. As of right now, my business is suffering after the pandemic and it is still recovering. I will not be able to afford court fees and litigation. Is there any other option that I can consider before going to court? Well, thank you, Mary, for your question. I think it's a good question. It's a difficult situation people find themselves in. On the one hand, I commend you. You're trying to do the right thing. And it seems like you and your spouse are doing the right thing. You're trying to work through your issues in mediation. So you're not losing your mind. You know, you're, you're really thinking about the budget. You're trying to be proactive. You're trying to settle. But on the other hand, just because you chose that good forum doesn't necessarily mean you can come to an agreement. One thing I will say, Mary, you might be in mediation a little too long. Maybe there's different philosophies on there. My training is just, it's a few sessions, three to five sessions at most for most people. And you will find out if mediation's working or not working. The fact that you've been in there for a year seems to me a little longer than usual. I'm not saying it can't be longer, but that's just a general rule. So I'm going to make an assumption that you and your ex or your spouse are both budget sensitive and you both seem to not want to go to court. I mean, if you've been in mediation for a year, that's a nice, um, you're not saying anyone's threatening court. On the other hand, you probably feel like you're in deadlock, like a divorce deadlock. So I've really been thinking about this a lot. You know, my first, I guess, plan of attack when I got into divorce world is focusing on what we can control. And I wrote that book and this podcast is about getting divorced without losing your mind, which is really focusing on us, right? But the second part of it is, well, now how do we get someone to move forward? And, you know, there are persuasion techniques and there's negotiation techniques but they only go so far. And sometimes you do need just a decider. You don't necessarily need to go to court, hopefully, but you need someone to just hear both of your positions in a way that you both feel comfortable in, and then that person making a decision. And that is called arbitration. I like to call it med-arb. It's called med-arb in some places, mediation arbitration or med-arb for short. 
And the point is you go, you first start the arbitration like you would in mediation. You go for a couple sessions. And if it doesn't work to a settlement, then it immediately turns to an arbitration. So the purpose is you get the benefits of what you guys have been doing, which is the flexibility. You're in control of the mediation. You just have a facilitator to help you through that. But if you guys have a deadlock, you don't have to go to court, which is obviously, as you've said, Mary, expensive, time-consuming. Both of you don't want it, but you need help. You need a, a decision. And that's what the arbitration does. The arbitrator also called in some jurisdictions a private judge. A couple of issues that just to give you some basics that people may say about arbitration in our in our area, it's relatively new. Just like mediation is relatively new. I think mediation started to come out really more popular in the 1970s, so it's still building. Arbitration is even newer than that, especially in our area. It's done regularly in commercial disputes, but those are a little bit more sophisticated arbitrations, which a lot of people don't need, presided over by like a former federal judge. You don't necessarily need that. Anyway, I don't even know if a a formal federal judge has this right experience. You probably just need someone who has at least 10 years of experience in family law and has a good reputation, very ethical, and will just render a fair result. The problem is with the appeal. If you're in court and you get a decision you're not satisfied with, you can appeal it. In arbitration, they limit your appeal in most jurisdictions to, it really has to be, you have to really show some some extreme situation to get it appealed. It's very limited. Also, in some jurisdictions, they won't allow you to resolve custody issues for whatever reason. In court, the, the judge is the ultimate parent. They make the final says, says, but if you go to the court, all the judge says is they don't want to make these decisions. They don't want to have a stranger in a black robe. That's the phrase I hear all the time. You don't want a stranger in a black robe making decisions for you. You need to figure it out. So what I tell people, if you go to court and the judge is just going to tell you to go to mediation, here's what you do. Why don't you find a parenting coordinator, which is really just a mediator who has experience in this area? someone who's really experienced in child development to help you through those issues. You can also hire a child development expert to work out a parenting plan that would really resonate with both of you and with your child and where they are in their life. If, you know, it's a different parenting plan if the child's one than if their child's 10. Uh, but if it's just financial in nature, MedArb all the way. And if you are in a jurisdiction that allows you to do everything in MedArb or in arbitration or with a private judge, I am a big believer, Mary, and that's where I think you should go. So I hope that gives you an option before you have to go to court and waste money you seem to not have. And if you did have it, you don't want to waste the time, energy, and emotion on court in most cases. All right, quick announcements. I want to thank everyone who's a listener, and especially for people who are a subscriber to our newsletter. I released my first ebook, as people know. I wasn't even going to really release it. I let it sit for a while before we really professionalized it. And I'm glad I put it out there. It's been released as a number one new release on Amazon in the area of divorce. If you want to learn a little bit more about you know this podcast, uh, we wanted to be a little bit more interactive. So we developed a website on Substack. It's 99% free. And if you become a member, you get a weekly newsletter. It gives you our podcast show notes or an article. There's also an opportunity to have group office hours, which we're doing on Fridays. If you become a paid member, you can comment 
Uh, I've noticed from other social media platforms, a lot of spam, a lot of bots take over the comment section. So we've made that, we closed that off except for people who pay. Also, as an added bonus, we're going to have questions from the podcast in individual form with video and transcript. So if you want to see what I look like, you can become a, a member and watch the videos but all the content, those questions are just on the podcast for free if you rather just go through them and listen to them individually. All right. As always, we end with appreciation for people who are going through difficult divorces. That's what we do here. And I've been hearing a lot about people getting divorced, about thriving and transforming because of divorce. And that's sort of rubbing me maybe not the right way, or maybe just the cases I deal with. Most people I deal with who get divorced uh, are forced to. They don't necessarily want to. Uh, they're just in a bad situation. I'm sure there's people who you know, got married for money or maybe got married for looks, as the old saying is that the old saying is men want women to not change when they get married. You know, they want them to stay the same. And all women want men to do is change during the marriage. And both of them are disappointed. That's, that's the saying. But I consider divorce, what we do is, is really a, a war. In most cases, if you're in a collaborative divorce and you're, you're in mediation and you're dealing with someone who's and you're all in good faith, maybe that is more of a transformational experience. But then I don't think you're in such a bad place necessarily. Maybe you just moved apart. You know, maybe it's just more of a civil divorce. But if you're in a difficult divorce and even if you're doing well in a difficult divorce, just like if you're doing well in war, that means you're alive. You know, that means your things are OK. It's still challenging. So you're still surviving. You're basically in surviving mode. And I do feel though, after a period of time, if you do finish your divorce and you will, then obviously after a period of time, after you grieved, then that is the time for transformation. That's when you can thrive. That's when you can maybe meet someone new who you're more compatible with. If you got married when you're 25, probably a little different than if you get married when you're 45. I think Susan Lucci, that wonderful soap opera actor or actress, had a great saying that she's been married multiple times to just the same person, recognizing that we change as we age. And it seems the smartest people marry for timeless qualities. That's what I've seen, not timely qualities. And they're both using the marriage. They're both using the marriage as a source of growth. I think the problems occur when, when people just really just grow apart and take some wrong turns. All right, so thanks for listening. This is Corey Shapiro. Until next time. 